Hi friends, and welcome to Pointing Toward Hope. I am your host, Wendy Bertinoli. This podcast is filled with positivity for anyone seeking to find more hope and joy in daily life. The goal is to reach as many people as I can to help them overcome and find joy even in the midst of extremely hard adversity. I sure don't have it all figured out, but together we can change lives. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow and leave a review so that we can reach as many people as possible. This is episode 50, Let It Refine You. Well, hey everyone, it's good to be back. I planned on taking a little break, but it just ended up being a little longer than planned. But that's okay, because that's kind of how life is, right? We think we have it all figured out, or we have a plan, and then the Lord comes in and says, nope, I've got something else prepared for you. It's gonna be a little hard, but it's something better. And that's kind of how I feel about this whole past year. I was looking back recently at some of the goals that I set for myself at the beginning of the year, and I'm nowhere near where I thought I would be because of the circumstances that I went through in the beginning months of this year. And you know what? I am not a bit unhappy about it. I feel like I'm in such a better place than what I would have been. I don't know for sure. I mean, my situation today would certainly look different than it does, but I can most assuredly tell you that I see the hand of the Lord working in and over my life in so many ways as I look back and as I see things unfolding before me looking forward. It's such a marvelous thing to have the Spirit of the Lord guiding and directing you as you go. But in that, there is a lot of ongoing work that has to take place to get to that point. As you may have guessed from the title, I'm going to talk just a little bit about the refining process that we go through when faced with trials, challenges, adversity, and you know, all the things and how we can gain the inner strength to let them be a refining process rather than a defining process. So it's the 50th episode. You guys, I'm so excited. I cannot believe that I've made it this far. I felt like I should definitely lean in to what we are all about here at Pointing Toward Hope, and I feel like the pieces for this episode have kind of been collecting over the last several days and weeks as I've had tiny mini moments of inspiration when things that I heard or read or dreamt just kind of sunk in. So I'm going to try to collect all of those things and hopefully organize them into something that will be meaningful and impactful for you as you listen today. I found a great talk by Ellen W. Smoot from April General Conference 2002 called Developing Inner Strength. So I will be referring to that a little bit in the podcast and I'll link it in the notes. I loved this question that she posed. How do you and I become so converted to the truth, so full of faith, so dependent on God that we are able to meet trials and even be strengthened by them? That just got me thinking about how we sometimes tend to lean into our trials more than we lean into God, if that makes sense. For example, we might tend to say this is just who I am, this is how it's always going to be, and there isn't a thing that I can do about it. So in my situation, instead of saying, 
I have bipolar, it becomes I am bipolar, which is a totally false statement. Do you see the difference? To say I am something is basically removing the possibility that I can change it from something that defines me. Just changing that one word or that one negative feeling can allow me to turn it into something that refines me and grows me as a person if I let it. From my standpoint, having bipolar is definitely not something I enjoy, but it's definitely not who I am either. It just drives me crazy when people use that um, when describing something that they're going through. Changing my view of it has allowed me to turn something that has such a negative connotation into something of a miracle. When you do this, then you can see the opportunity in the trial to make it into something miraculous, something that will strengthen you from the inside to the outside. Personally, I've worked really hard to take that feeling of being defined by my trial to being strengthened by and through it. I've tried to turn it into something positive that I can learn and grow from rather than feeling defeated by it, which I'm telling you, it's not easy at all. To be honest, some days it just downright stinks and I do feel totally defeated by it. There are just so many negative feelings that surround it. I don't think I'm the only one in that when it comes to our trials or adversity. There are a lot of situations where negative feelings and thinking take place. Thinking that you are defined by your trial can happen with a lot of different types of experiences that we go through. There are so many big traumatic parts of your life for sure, and I am not diminishing those experiences in any way. However, I feel like our tendency as human beings having an earthly experience we do tend to want to let those things define us, or maybe we tend to look at them with negative thoughts and feelings, like this is how other people define me or describe me. And the truth is, who cares? It doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks. I mean, I could fall into the category very easily by letting those labels that are thrown around so lightly be overwhelming and defeating but I have gotten to the point where when someone says something like this, so-and-so is so dramatic and does this and this and this, they are definitely bipolar. I can blow that off. It always stings a little bit sometimes. I want to get defensive about it and say, hey, that's not what it's like. But I've learned that I can't take things like that personally. And you have to understand that when someone says something hurtful in a situation like that, they probably don't even have any idea that you were hurt. So why make yourself a victim over it? Anyway, I kind of got sidetracked there for a little bit, but I want you to just take a second and think about some of the things in your life that you see as negative experiences or trials. Maybe it's not a sickness or illness. Maybe it's something that happened when you were a child, a mistake you made, or something that happened unexpectedly that has changed your life immensely. We've all experienced that in the last two years, haven't we? The point I'm trying to get at is, can we try to see ourselves and our trials as a growing, learning, refining process? Think of it as being purified and polished just as a piece of metal when it's being molded. And I'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. 
Recently, there was a brilliant woman that gave a talk in my church, and I think her talk was what kind of started the ball rolling for me as far as getting this episode up and going again. She gave so many good nuggets of wisdom. Her topic was having gratitude through adversity. That kind of sounds like an oxymoron, right? I mean, how do you have gratitude when you're going through really difficult situations? While I was listening to her talk, it was a phenomenal talk, by the way. I kept having a thought run through my mind that I'd heard someone say on a podcast that I listened to. Sometimes the miracle is in the tragedy. I don't know why I was thinking that specific thought, but maybe it was because when we are going through something, anything really, if we try to look at it from a different perspective, which is what I think having gratitude in adversity means, then the whole experience can become a beautiful miracle. At the end of this woman's talk, she said one thing that I've talked about before and that I mentioned um, just previously. Um, And if you weren't paying attention to her talk, you would have missed it. She said it so fast. When it comes to hard things and being grateful for them, think of them as refining you, not defining you. And as I said, I've, I've said that many times and had podcasts on it before, but the way she paired it with gratitude just made me look at it from a little different perspective. There's a video that I have watched and I'm gonna try and find it and I'll link it here, but it's about the process that a blacksmith goes through when refining metal. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the process, but let me just explain somewhat. It is a long and grueling process that requires intense heat and repeated hammering. A refiner is really good at knowing when the fire is hot enough, but not too hot. And you also have to use fire and water, and you need to know how to use them both together. And the reason is because the blacksmith or the refiner needs to be able to bend and mold that piece of metal into something completely different, free from impurities and something polished and beautiful. Now, nobody wants to go through a refining process, right? I mean, it's super intense. But in this process, from what I understand, the refiner is right there, or the blacksmith is right there the whole time. He's completely in the entire process. The metal cannot be left alone. There are certain things that need to happen at certain times. And you love this because in Isaiah, he teaches us about what our refiner, meaning Jesus Christ, is like when he says this in chapter 43, 1 through 3. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and I always like to insert my own name, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, For I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. So he's basically saying, don't you worry, I've got you. I'm going to be there every step of the way. I love you and I'm not going to leave you. Did you notice how it mentioned water and fire? I just thought that was so cool. He knows when the water comes and you feel like you're drowning. He's going to be there 
He knows when you feel like you're walking through fire and that the heat is too intense and you want to give up. He's going to be there. He is our refiner. So I want you to remember that process as we talk about a couple of other mini moments of inspiration that I had this past week. So I was reading the book of Helaman, and if you're familiar with this part of the Book of Mormon, it is part of the war chapters, and it can be difficult chapters to get through. And just a plug for the Book of Mormon, I know in um, in my church we've been studying the Doctrine and Covenants, and next year we will study the Old Testament, but I think it's so important that you continue to read the Book of Mormon. There are so many things that are in there for our day and our time and for us. And so it's just so important that we be focused on those things as well. Anyway, back to Helaman. As I said, these are the war chapters and it can be difficult chapters to get through, but I determined when I started the war chapters back in Alma that I was going to get something to apply to my life out of these chapters. And you guys, I feel like the Lord answered my prayers on that so completely. I really have had so many of those mini moments. So I encourage you to really dig into those chapters and into the Book of Mormon and see if you can't grab some gold nuggets out of there. I love the Book of Mormon, as you can probably tell. Anyway, back to Helaman. It is chapter 3. So just a refresher, this is a time when many people are dissenting from the church and persecuting members of the church. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) At that time, Nephi, the son of Helaman, is filling the judgment seat, and he decides that because of the persecution, they are going to leave Zarahemla and move to the land northward. And it says it was a great distance. And you know they didn't have cars and carts and all that back then. So I'm sure they were traveling with everything on their backs or their donkeys. It was probably extremely hot and they were thirsty and it was super hard. And it says they crossed over many waters and rivers. Remember the water and the heat of the refiner's fire? And when they arrived, it was in a land called desolate. Why was it called that? because there was nothing on the land. It was barren, everyone. (laughs) Can you imagine traveling that far? And it's kind of like the pioneers when they traveled to Salt Lake, there was nothing there. So what did these people do? In verse seven, it says this, nevertheless, the people who went forth became exceedingly expert. And then it goes on to say how they built houses and when trees grew, now mind you, they would have been you know, little tiny timbers growing out of the ground, they took care of them until they could use them, which would take years. They built cities. So they took this trial that was upon them and they turned it into something amazing. And the Lord was with them through every step. And the thing that I like about verse seven, in the beginning it says, nevertheless, which I love that word, no matter what's happening, even so, the people went forth and became exceedingly expert. They took action. They trusted in the Lord and they moved forward. But then in verse 16, I believe it was Mormon talking here. He goes back to before they left Zarahemla to explain what was happening there and what caused them to leave. And the following verse is what stopped me in my tracks. Number 30 or chapter 35, it reads, nevertheless, even so, 
They did fast and pray oft and did wax stronger and stronger in their humility and firmer and firmer in the faith of Christ unto the filling their souls with joy and consolation, yea, even to the purifying and the sanctification of their hearts, which sanctification cometh because of their yielding their hearts unto God. And that's the word that caught me, everyone, yielding. What happens when we yield? We give others the right of way, right? So in this case, they are yielding their hearts to the Lord. They are turning it over to the Lord, knowing that he will sanctify them and purify them, just like a blacksmith does with the metal. When it is under that intense heat, it is purifying it. Jesus is our refiner. He sees things from a much grander perspective. He can turn us into something beautiful, something so much more than we can achieve on our own. It just, it really gives me chills when I think about how many times the Savior has walked with me through my trials and turned them into a miracle. It reminds me of when I was younger and I went through a pretty hard experience with some friends. I won't get into the details, but I will tell you that it was something that happened to me way back when I was barely 13 and it concerned being bullied. So you can imagine, at 13, you are at such an impressionable age and you're molding your identity and just changing so much and trying to figure out who you are. And just at the peak of that time in my life is when this experience happened. It was an event that happened because of something careless that I said to someone not even thinking anything of it. Someone walking behind us heard it and within minutes, I'm not even kidding, it was totally taken out of context. I was surrounded by a group of girls pointing and laughing and bullying me. My friends that were with me when they surrounded me quickly slipped out of the circle and I felt so alone at that moment. And to make matters worse, the bullying continued for several weeks to the point that the principal and parents got involved. It really was quite hard as a 13 year old. I remember days when I thought I just couldn't go to school. I would get stomach aches thinking about it. It still makes me anxious to this day. But it was during that time that I decided to yield my heart to the Lord. What did He want me to do? I decided that I needed to have my patriarchal blessing. And for those of you who are not members of the church, that is a special blessing that we believe comes directly from the Lord through the priesthood power. So we scheduled it and I was determined that I was going to prepare myself and be so ready for this because I really, really needed to hear from the Lord himself that everything was going to be okay. So I did those things from verse 35. I fasted and I prayed and I humbled myself and I had faith that the Lord would come to me or at least be with me during this fire that I was experiencing. I yielded my heart to him with all that I had. Well, the night came that we were to go to the blessing and I remember so distinctly like it was yesterday. I was so nervous and my palms were sweating and my stomach was growling and the patriarch seemed to talk forever before he got started with the blessing. But then he began. It was still and quiet in his little house, except for when his clock chimed at the beginning of the prayer. And at that moment, 
I got my miracle. In the midst of my trial, I received a miracle. It wasn't from the words that were said, because honestly, he was very well-spoken and I didn't understand a lot of the big words he used or the way he worded it. It was like scripture. But I do remember how I felt when his hands and my father's hands were on my head and the patriarch called upon the priesthood power, I felt a tangible presence like I've never known before. And it stayed with me until the clock chimed again and the patriarch closed the prayer. It was so powerful that as we were driving home, I remember asking my dad if someone else had joined them in the prayer. He was surprised and shocked, of course, and I explained what I had felt. And my parents and I were just all in awe of the sacredness of that moment. He was there to let me know that he was with me every step of the way. When I got my blessing and read it, there was one little part that talked about the friends I would have in my life and some counsel on the importance of choosing good friends. One thing that I determined at that time is that I would do everything in my power to never make anyone feel the way I had through that experience. It left such an impression on me that I never doubted the power of the priesthood and I never hesitated to call upon it in times of great need. And I still feel that way. I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in right now if it hadn't have been for the priesthood. And those of you that have heard the story know that the reason that I came back to the church was because of a priesthood blessing. Would I have been able to have that experience, my miracle, if I hadn't gone through the bullying and felt abandoned by my friends? Maybe, but I don't think so. I had to go through that trial to experience the miracle. So let's go back to talking about finding inner strength to keep moving forward. As we've been studying the Doctrine and Covenants in Come Follow Me about all the horrible things that the early members of the church went through, it has made me think more about where that inner strength comes from. In Sister Smoot's talk, she shares an experience from a pioneer woman who traveled across the plains from Nauvoo to Utah. She shared the following, to demonstrate the kind of inner strength I am talking about, I would like to share the story of Susanna Stone Lloyd, who at the age of 26 left England in 1856 and traveled to Utah alone. The only member of her family to join the church, Susanna was a member of the Willie Hancock Company. Like so many other pioneers, she endured life-threatening hunger, illness, and fatigue. Upon arriving in the Salt Lake Valley, Susanna borrowed a mirror to make herself more presentable. Despite her best efforts, she recounts, I shall never forget how I looked. Some of my old friends did not even know me. Having sold her own mirror to an Indian for a piece of buffalo meat, she had not spent much time looking at herself. Now she did not recognize her own image. She was a different person, both on the inside and the out. Over the course of rocky ridges and extreme hardship came a deep conviction. Her faith had been tried and her conversion was concrete. She had been refined in ways that the very best mirror could not reflect. Susanna had prayed for strength and found it deep within her soul. If someone like Susanna can take a horrible situation like that and turn it into something so beautiful? Can we? 
I'm sure that she had to dig pretty deep within her soul to find the strength that comes in and through our Savior. Because let's face it, we don't get through these experiences without divine intervention. We can try, but speaking from experience, it sure is a lot harder when we try to do it alone without the help of our refiner. We can walk through the fire on our own. We can feel like we're drowning in our adversity. We can be hammered over and over again by the happenings of this mortal life. But it is so much more doable when we allow our refiner, Jesus Christ, to be a part of the process. This proving process, this refining and growing and polishing process, yes, it stinks, yes, it hurts, but at some point we will be able to look back and see all the tiny mercies, the little miracles, and in the end, if we endure it well, we can come out having been molded into something beautiful that anyone who looked upon us would say, wow. Have you ever done that when you've seen something that someone made that was so intricate and detailed and beautiful that all you can say is, wow, that's the kind of miracle I'm talking about. I promise you, everyone, you can receive a miracle in the midst of your trial. I have no doubt that the Savior is walking with you through it. He is in the process every step of the way. He won't leave you. He can't leave you. In order for you to be molded through the fires of life, He has to remain by your side so that the right things happen at the right time. Lean on Him. Lean into Him. Trust Him. Pray and fast often. Be humbled and yield your heart to Him. Let Him take the lead. And then follow Him. I beg you to follow Him with all of your refined and purified and polished heart. That's it for today, my friends. I hope you enjoyed listening. If you or a friend have had an experience that you'd like to share, please contact me. I'd love to have you on the show. Talk to you all again soon.